Welcome to Success in Brief with your host, Roseanne Felicello. In every episode, we feature successful women attorneys and other business professionals to reflect on what career advice would you give your younger self. We hope to provide insights and inspiration toward your professional success. You can find this show at www.felicellolaw.com and on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Now, here's the host of Success in Brief, Roseanne Felicello. Hello, my name is Roseanne Felicello, and this is Success in Brief. And today, I'm thrilled to welcome Kelly Koyama Garcia to our podcast. Hello, Kelly. Hey, Roseanne. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. Kelly is the Senior Vice President, General Counsel, and Corporate Secretary at Louis Vuitton Americas in New York. Uh, Kelly and I have known each other for over 20 years. We uh, both went to Boston University School of Law, and we worked together on the law re review there. And we've managed to stay in touch through the years now that we're both in New York City. Uh, Kelly went on from BU to Big Law and worked there for a number of years in the corporate world and has been in-house now for a number of years. And I can't wait for her to tell us all about her pathway to success in high fashion. Uh, so welcome again, Kelly. Thank you for being here. Thanks. And actually, this is my first time I've ever done a podcast. There's time for everything, right? <laughs> I was just mentioning to Kelly off camera that I was back at BU uh, this past weekend for a law school reunion. Um, Kelly, have you been back on campus at all since we graduated? I've been back a while ago. It wasn't for any reunion. It was just, I think we were visiting some friends. And so they were still in the middle of building the tower. But yes, that brings back lots of memories. It's sometimes fun to reconnect, uh, even just briefly. Yes. So what was your um, pathway? What did you decide to go to law school, um, and particularly in Boston at BU? Oh, you know, I didn't really ever plan on going to law school. Um, but then my junior year in undergrad, um, I went to a study abroad program. So it wasn't um, an international program because it was too expensive. Um, I wanted to try something new. So I did a semester abroad in Washington, D.C., where we found our own, um, we found our own internships. So I interned for um, House Representative Patrick Kennedy at the time. And actually, everyone in there was had already gone to law school and was a lawyer, a non-practicing lawyer. And that's kind of how I got involved and interested in law school. So then I came back and I took the LSATs uh, and I started applying. Um, I just really liked the program at Boston. I really wasn't familiar with East Coast. I wanted to try something new. Um, so I kind of didn't know what I was getting into. But I applied to a bunch, just a bunch of schools on the East Coast. That's an interesting story. Um, did you ever go back into doing political work after uh, no. started out there? <laughs> no, no, like that to me is nothing that I'm like interested in. But the same at the time, you know, this sounds like a nightmare. But I got, what I got interested in was that when you're on the Hill, there's like this army of lawyers and they do all the drafting of the laws. And at the time, I thought that was really interesting. Um, but now that sounds like nothing I want to do. So, no, I'm not interested in policy work or work or like in politics. It's interesting how your um, how what we're interested in really does change as you go through and 
and get exposed to new ideas and new things. So I think it's I mean, like, you know, we'll talk about it later, but I had no interest. Um, I had no knowledge actually of fashion or retail or luxury. And it was never my goal to like work in this industry at all. Um, so yeah, it totally goes to show that you just never know what you're going to end up doing. So out of law school, you, you went to big law and um, at Cleary, you got leave, is that right? Mm-hmm. I was, I, I went, um, from BU, I was a summer associate at Cleary, and then I started right after, um, actually, I, I moved to New York on September 9th, 2001, so the day before September, um, or I moved there on September 10th, so the, the day before September 11th, um, and then it was kind of a weird time to start because Cleary was really affected by September 11th because our offices were right next to the World Trade Center. Um but yeah, and I had no actual preference of what type of work I wanted to do, so I ended up in the bankruptcy group, um, which actually turned out to be one of the best decisions ever, just by happenstance, um, because it allowed me to get experience in both corporate and litigation, and so it never forced me to specialize, which is, I think, leads to um, a big part of why I'm a general counsel today. So I really enjoyed the work there because, um, you know, I did some licensing. It was all in the context of bankruptcy, but it's, you know, it's still the same. I did licensing, I did m I did litigation, uh, and it really let me have some freedom in my practice. That, that's very interesting. You must have been busy after uh, 9-11, too, in bankruptcy, because I remember sort of everything was really falling there down was. of mm-hmm. the economy for a while. And, you know, actually, what I tell everyone is that you never know what's going to happen, what's going to pique your interest. One of the first big cases I worked on, we were representing a Spanish company who was the international partner of Revlon. And they were buying a company, a brand out of bankruptcy. And that's kind of how I started getting interested in uh, consumer brands, things where you can go into a store and you can buy. Um, and I'm still in touch with you know, from time to time, but I'm still in touch with that first client. So it's it's interesting how you develop relationships in this profession, and sometimes they're very strong because of the emotions involved in, in the work that you're doing. So yes, and that was you know we traveled all together to go to Arizona for the closing, uh, and that was an experience in and of itself. Um, but I, I do look upon that as really formative uh, for my career. So um, after a few years at Cleary, you did decide to go in-house, but you didn't go directly to fashion, right? So where was your first jump? No, my first jump was in the true corporate world. I joined uh, McGraw-Hill. They, it was the parent company. Um, they kind of operated like a small law firm. So I think the parent company had at the time 17 lawyers, and it was half corporate, half litigation. Because that was when Standard Poor's was, um, it was Standard Poor's and McGraw-Hill. So financial information and um, the educational side as well. And, you know, that's kind of where I, I started to get a clearer picture of what I wanted to do and what I didn't want to do. Um, that atmosphere was not for me. It was very corporate, um, huge corporation. Uh, and so I started to look around for something different. And that's kind of how I started my journey to uh, fashion and retail, um, where I 
was looking for something. I applied to a lot of different jobs everywhere. This was in, actually I was pretty lucky because it must have been in 2000, at the end of 2007, um, you know, we weren't, we're kind of heading to a recession. I guess we didn't know it yet. Um, and I just applied everywhere because I was a generalist still. Uh, at Hill is doing corporate work that included M&A, included licensing, some HR thrown in there. Um, so I just applied all around. But I think the biggest thing for me was that I, by that time I had paid off uh, my student loans. So I used a lot of um, my salary from Cleary to pay off my student loans. So I had a little bit more flexibility in the type of job that I that I chose. And so I kind of took a, a gamble a little bit where when I interviewed for Mark Jacobs, um, actually, I got that interview because I was I had applied to another job that was published at Donna Karen. And uh, the person who was interviewing me there thought that maybe I wasn't right for that job, but that I was right for an unpublished job. And that was um, part of starting up the legal department at at Mark Jacobs, which was a sister company of, we were all under the LVMH umbrella. Um, so that's how I got that interview. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of took a chance. It was, it was I, I had a manager at the time who was the general counsel and we started the legal department there. He'd only started six months ahead of me, um, took a huge pay cut, <laughs> not gonna lie. <laughs> and we were a two depart uh, person department with, you know, starting with no forms or anything. Oh, wow. That, that must have been um, a busy time as well. It was busy. It was fun. You know, you just have to jump in. Uh, and it was, you know, the, the company was really popular, had a very special place in pop culture and fashion and retail at the time. Uh, and it was, it was just really, it was just really exciting. Um, it was just kind of starting off on something new, a new adventure, um, doing work that I've never done before. Yeah, we had some... Um, you know, working with department stores and wholesale accounts, um, fashion shows, uh, and really just like a quick, fast pace, uh, which, I, which I really enjoyed. So you, you mentioned the you know, fast pace of fashion and, and these fun things. So what is the most glamorous part of, you know, being a fashion lawyer? Oh, um, you know, the glamorous part is sometimes can be at the end where it's, you know, and I see it here too at Bhutan, where we do these amazing, amazing, incredible activations and events, right? Mm -hmm. Where that's where the creativity really shines, whether it's through a fashion show or, um, you know, event for a product launch. Like what I love the most is being um, around the creative process and seeing what everyone comes up with, right? Um, that can be fun, but it's at the end of so much work. <laughs> which is like the distinctly unglamorous part, right? I, mean, yeah, I was going to ask you now the counter. So what is the most unglamorous part of, you know, that you might not imagine uh, working in fashion? So what is the day-to-day? The -day, um... Um, you know, like, what I think was the most amazing part about all these companies is that, um, you know, we're all, there's a brand and then the outside you have the brand identity, but on the inside, it's just a bunch of people trying their best, right? Um, and there's a lot of work that goes behind it. It's, you know, there's so much work going into privacy, compliance. You know, we're a very small department, so someone still has to do the NDAs. <laughs> you know, the, 
And so it really is just rolling your hand, your your sleeves up and getting it done. And you know, with the creative side, it's amazing, but it doesn't give you a lot of um, runway on the timeline. So a lot of stuff we have to do is very quick. You know, we have to get these contracts done for the talent, and it the show is tomorrow, right? So we're up sometimes very late trying to get everything done to create this amazing experience for our clients. So do you have to you have to make sure all of the licensing is done as well? It's also within your your department. Yeah, so right now, um, so Vuitton doesn't have product licensing, but we have you know licenses to. Um, use a mark or to use a location or to get talent agreements. Um, it's all of that, that that we have to do that goes behind that, that goes behind all the <laughs> the end result. Behind the scenes. <laughs> so how did you go from you were at Mark Jacobs for um, a number of years and it's under the umbrella of Louis Vuitton. How did you um, go make that move up the the corporate ladder to the Louis Vuitton? Um, so I always tell everyone I had a 10-year interview process. So when I joined Mark Jacobs, um, I didn't have to do it, but I always made sure that I had a monthly touch base with the Global Journal Council of Louis Vuitton because he used to oversee all of the legal functions for it was called the fashion group with all the fashion brands. And so I did this, and it wasn't always with him. A lot of times it was with someone on his team. And it went on for 10 years. Uh, and so by the time my predecessor was ready to retire, since I'm the only, like, the second person in this position, my predecessor was here for 17 years, I was already a known entity. He knew how I worked. He, he knew um, how I worked. We had, we had already established a relationship. Um, so... And when the time came, he had asked if I was interested. But it took a long time, right? Because this is, uh, it, it's just, it, it's a different type of job, right? And the, and the role is different, just even within um, the importance within the group, where um, Vuitton is the biggest brand with an LVMH. Um, mm -hmm. So there's just a lot more exposure um, and when things happen, um, it has a pretty big impact. And do you also oversee, spend a lot of your time overseeing outside law firms, or do you mostly do the work in-house um, there? We try to do as much in-house as we can. Um, also because, I mean, simply we like to keep a lot of the things confidential. Mm -hmm. um, but we do oversee outside counsel, especially when um, – there's some really big events. There can be a global lease that affects all of LVMH or very specialized topics um, like privacy. We oversee um, outside counsel. But right now, I still have lawyers dedicated to each kind of um, subject matter on my team. That And they do try to handle as much as they can in-house. In in-house, yeah. Do you find that you any of the knowledge that you had from um, your prior practice at Cleary sort of is brought to bear when you're managing the outside counsel in terms of like how the outside counsel operates or anything like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we all know how law firms work. You know? <laughs> um, and, and I get it. You know, we're going to law firms for very specific advice, um, but my law firms know. So I have very long-term relationships with the law 
firms I work with. So a lot of it's the same law firms I worked with at, at Mark Jacobs. Um, so I've been working with these firms now for 15 years. Um, and, but I always tell them like, I don't want a memo. Some like, and you know, they don't know until you tell them. Some clients really want a memo that they can produce. And it's, you know, they're saying outside counsel told me this. And unless it's a very specific circumstance, I always tell them, I don't want a memo. You don't even have to put it in writing. I, I really just want you to tell me, you know, what we need to do. But that's great because the memo, obviously, if you got a memo, it would be many more hours of work, right, for them to draft the memo. It would be a lot more work. And also sometimes, you know, it's not the advice that we're actually going to follow all the time, right? Because it might be something that's a little bit more conservative that mm-hmm. or, or not. But I find I have a much more fruitful relationship with outside counsel when we can discuss matters and they're not worried so much about the official memo. Do you think that they tend to be more conservative if they have to put the advice in writing? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Okay, so um, has the pandemic affected your work at all? We were talking to you in your office today. Have you been going into the office regularly? Like, how has that um, been working for you? Oh, Roseanne, I never stopped going to the office. So um, <laughs> there was a period of about three months um, from February 2020 actually March 2020, where we were, you know, we absolutely couldn't come in. But then, um, you know, when the minute we were allowed to even open curbside retail, we really wanted to support our retail teams, right? They, they, they shouldn't be the only ones out in the stores. So I went back to the office starting um, June 2020. So there are a lot of times where I was the only person on the entire Metro North train, which is kind of a crazy experience. Wow. I was in a movie, but I really was the only person besides the conductor. Um, and this is saying a lot, but in the pandemic, you know, I don't think I've worked so much, so hard for like such an extended period of time in my life as I did during the pandemic. Um, and that's saying a lot coming from big law, right? Yeah. I think it surprised a lot of people, like my family, where you think, oh, retail is shut down. But for us, it wasn't like that because we always pride ourselves at Vuitton at being creative and being able to pivot. So the minute, you know, leading up to to the shutdowns, we were already thinking about how we would um, continue. And then during the shutdowns, we really pivoted and we went, we did a lot of training. We did a lot of client outreach um, because we are in a very different position where all of our client advisors have iPhones mm-hmm. and we have a very expense, extensive um, CRM program. So they were able to do some client outreach so that when we were able to reopen, they were ready. Um, but it was even that and, you know, because of our, of our system, our federalist system, it was just a lot of just tracking and finding out what was going on in every single city, every single state right, um, uh, of what we could and couldn't do, um, which was a lot to handle, um, you know, to tell our stores when could they open, when could they not, keeping track of the, you know, federal COVID regulations and programs, um, how are we going to do contact tracing, like, 
It was a lot. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like that would have been a lot of work for you to. It was pretty team. intense. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, it was a great experience because we all got closer. We all, again, rolled up our sleeves and, you know, it helped us. It reinforced that relationship that we have with our retail um, business, right? We, we were helping and supporting them and they were out um, helping and supporting us. And they must have appreciated that you were actually in your office, um, you know, feeling the calls. And yeah, I mean, we'd go visit the store when we could just to give them some support, um, you know, helping everyone as, as, as much as we could. But is yeah, there a store near your office? Oh, our offices are on top of our store. Oh, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very convenient. Yes. <laughs> So being in-house for, um, gosh, close to 15 years now in in-house? Yeah. Um, do you find this the same need to continue to build relationships in your network as you as you did before? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's even more important now. So especially with the type of work that I do, it's very specific to this industry. And there's not a lot of external ex expertise. Um, it's not something that law firms will actually know how to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I find it, it's really important to be able to keep in contact with my colleagues at different companies, at different brands. Um, just to even sometimes update each other on, on different changes in the law that might affect us or just even asking like, hey, how do you handle this, you know? I want to run something by you. Um, it's really important. I see that. Um, I've seen you've done a number of different talks over the years and presentations, you know, just by Googling. <laughs> um, uh, do you find that that's something that you really look forward to doing? Um, or is it something you just, you know, push yourself to do these, these talks? No, I love it. Like, um, I love doing this. I love, I love doing talks. Um, you know, and a big part of it is I really want to let others out there know that the luxury industry, the retail industry is open to everyone. You don't have to have a background in it. You don't have to ha come from um, a family that has money. You don't have to have a background in that to work in this industry. That's really important to me, especially from, you know, today from an inclusivity diversity standpoint. Like I really want people to know that it's open and you know, the door is is completely open and you shouldn't be worried about applying or expressing interest in this in this industry. That's a lot of what's driving me um, to do these types of talks uh, and for networking. It's, it's interesting. Um, it's very similar to, for me. I feel like part of the reason why I do this podcast is I really want people to understand and women to understand that the legal industry is open to them and can lead to lots of different paths and ways of achieving success. And you're not really limited to, um, you know, one area of the law or, or not, right? You can be a litigator, you can be in corporate, you can go into fashion, and you may not know going ahead of time what your outcome is going to be. So. Oh, 100%. I mean, if everyone told me that I was going to be here, I would have no idea how that even would have happened. And I really had no interest in um, fashion or luxury, right? And I always tell everyone, I didn't even know what Louis Vuitton was until I moved to New York to work for Cleary. And then I saw everyone carrying these bags because it just wasn't a part of my world or my life, you know? Um, 
and and I'm very conscious of I really want you know I'm very passionate about helping people and students and just having them understand like you know when I joined Clery I didn't know how to network I didn't know how to entertain clients I didn't know how to build those relationships and what I really want is to share with everyone even how to do that and to encourage them you know you have to do this um, you know and and it, I have this idea you know where I want everyone to practice those skills, right? I know, like, I remember when I was, a, I think, like, a second year, and I had to do this closing dinner with that same client, and we were in Arizona, and I kind of froze because I had no idea what to do. I didn't know how to host. Um, I had never been to a steakhouse in my life. You know, I didn't know how to order wine. I didn't know how to, you know, pay the bill. Um, and so it's all these things where it's like I'm very passionate about helping um, students um, you know, break through in this world and also just understand how to navigate a little bit more. You really, it's like exercising a muscle, right? You need to. It is. And not, to, and not to be afraid. You know, everyone, everyone will get through it. You also have a life outside of work, um, from what I see on Facebook. <laughs> I know. Of a life, right? We try to. Um, yeah. How do you balance? you know, all the hours you put in, especially you were saying during the pandemic, it was, you know, very crazy. How do you balance that with the rest of your life? As well? um, you know, I've been really lucky. And I think it goes in waves, right? So when I was younger, um, you know, I wasn't married, I didn't have children. I was able, I dedicated a lot of my life to work, right? When I was at Mar Jacobs, especially during, well, when I was at Cleary, for sure, that was crazy. Um, but then when, even when I went to McGraw-Hill and when I was starting at, at Mar Jacobs, I loved my work. Right? So I spent a lot of my time um, at work, even just getting to know people, going to the events, um, you know, kind of doing a lot of extra, which I think really helped me get to know the industry and the business and the work and to increase my knowledge. Right? And then afterwards, um, I mean, so you know this, so I... I Married a fellow BU law school alum, um, also Cleary alum. Um, and I feel fortunate that I have a spouse who is also a lawyer, who understands the intense pressures that come along with it. Um, and so far, we've been lucky where when I, we've both had intense periods of work, it hasn't coincided. So we can kind of um, take more on when the other person is busy and then vice versa. Um, and then he was a really big support because he's, uh, my husband is at a private equity and during the pandemic, it was pretty quiet. So he was able to, I think a little, take over a little bit more of um, some of the duties with our son when I was having this intense period. It's good to have a good team, right? Absolutely. <laughs> And, you know, and I think it's, but the understanding is the, is the most important part. Like, we never question each other when you're like, look, it's really crazy right now. Work, I have to stay at work late. Or, you know, can you handle this weekend because I have to work? You know, like, that, I think that understanding is key. And the appreciation for what the other person is doing. Yeah, and it goes down to a level of respect, too, right, that you have for each other and each other's career being, the career being important as something that actually is important. Absolutely. I mean, and it's also a little bit unusual. I think we have a two, uh, two general counsel household, right? So sometimes 
it can be a little bit rough to balance. But again, there is that respect of each other's careers and what's involved. So I have three last questions, Kelly. These are meant to be rapid fire. They don't always turn out that way. But <laughs> <laughs> if you could be an couldn't be an attorney, what career would you choose? Um, probably uh, looking back, I would probably get into sourcing for retail. I loved it. I love working with our factories. Um, it's international. There's a little bit of detective work going on. And it's a huge part of the creative process to be able to find um, uh, sources that can actually make things that you need. That's really interesting. I wouldn't even think of that as a separate career, but of course it is. You know, it's just one of those. No, but I didn't know about it, right? Until I joined <laughs> the industry. And now I find it so amazing and fascinating. And there's so much like technical know how. So, yes, that's another story, but I really love um, supply chain and sourcing. If there can be lots of uh, issues that arise in that area, I only know that because we've had a few cases, yes. <laughs> cases arising yeah. from some sourcing. Um, okay, second question. Um, what is the one thing you wish you knew when you graduated law school that you've come to know now as your career has progressed? Um, you know, I think it's almost something that's impossible, you know, to actually know, but that you can't plan for everything in your career. I think it's such a huge part of stress that I felt in law school. And I was probably one of the most stressed people out there. Like I would probably have a nervous breakdown after every final was that it will turn out, it will turn out to be okay. And you can't predict it here. Right? Like I really I had zero interest. In it. I mean, I know I said this many times today, <laughs> zero interest in, you know, where I am today. And I, and even if you asked me 10 years ago, if I was going to be here, I think I would have said no. Um, so just that your interests evolve, you evolve as a person, your career evolves, it will be, it will be okay. But you can't, you can't make everything out. Right. You can, there's no way to put everything out. And that's the problem with, with, you know, attorneys who tend to expect that we can. That's our personality, right, to try to plan everything. But Yeah, we're all like type A, you know, we all want to plan everything. We're like, you know, I've done everything I can to get myself in this position. Right. And then you just have to let it, to trust the process. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> And final question, uh, would you recommend a law career to women considering law school today? Yeah, absolutely. Like so many people I know, they have very interesting careers. Um, and it's the thought process that really gets you there, right? It's having an analytical mind, having an open mind, um, where you can just really dig in and pursue something. Um, and again, what I always tell everyone is that being in-house is a very different skill set than being in a law firm. And there's not, and one isn't better than the other. It's really what you're suited for. Like, I know so many great um, law firm lawyers who I depend upon, who are my friends, and they would be terrible at being in-house. <laughs> and, like, vice versa. Like, I could not be at a law firm now. Why? Because I like to know... Um, a little bit about a lot of things, right? And I know a lot about very few things. And um, and it's also risk-taking. Risk you have to find somewhere that that meets your own personality. Like, as it turns out, I can, I can, I have some pretty thick skin and I can handle risk, which is 
what we need in-house because you're making decisions, right? You have to say yes or no. There's no hedging. And you're making decisions without a lot of times 100% certainty or 100% of the information, right? But I like that. But there's lots of different companies that fit your different different profile, right? There, there can be less risk-taking at sometimes at a bank, but there's more risk-taking for um, um, like investing, right? So like my husband, they have to make uh, very, very big expensive decisions, right? <laughs> a lot of times, and it's it's based upon feeling, so. Yeah, and that's the thing about the law, you can't ever really have 100% certainty going in. So yeah. that's very interesting. Well, thank you so much, Kelly. This has been a wonderful conversation and really great to catch up with you. Thank you again for joining us today. Thank you, Roseanne. You've been listening to Success in Brief with your host, Roseanne Felicello. Thank you for your positive reviews, comments, and sharing the show with others. You can catch prior episodes at www.felicellolaw.com and on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more.